to confess now as we begin. I had to turn off the fan to protect people from listening to the fan the whole time. And I had to close the windows. So I may melt in the middle of this episode. Yeah, I just hotboxed it too. I had an oscillating fan going and a window open. Um, but apparently there's some kind of kids soccer tournament going on in the field like across from my house. So um, it would be your voice, my voice, and the voice of a hundred screaming children, which I didn't think would make for a great podcast. These are the sacrifices we make for you, my friends. <laughs> Ugh, seriously. It's all right. so hot. I, I, could, I could use to lose a five to ten pounds in the next 20 minutes. Yeah, plus a little bit of heat stroke never killed anyone. Actually, it probably has quite a few people. Yeah, a lot of people at Coachella. Oh, yeah, Coachella. What was the, oh, was, Lola, was it Lollapalooza, the 90s Lollapalooza, where, was that where people were having a lot of heat stroke problems because there wasn't enough water at the concert venue? Yeah, that was probably, I think that might have been the same one where um, Green Day got into that huge mud fight with the audience. I, I don't remember. Um, oh. But yeah, I remember one of those being a huge issue. Yeah, when, when uh, Nine Inch Nails was covered in mud completely. Oh yeah, that was hilarious. We've just aged ourselves because that was like the that was that wasn't the nineteen nineties Lollapalooza it was Woodstock, right? Yeah, something like that. And I, I it's funny because uh, I I was about to say one of those those old fogey um, scary old man things. You know, they don't make they don't make um, festivals like they used to, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, Lollapalooza now counts as an old fogey thing because you and I are old fogies. Yeah, it's crazy to think. Hey, I still have some hair left, people. Don't bury me yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because I don't I, I there are certain moments where you have the flip flop in perspective. Um, you know, at some point I, I realized that my, my my parents were teenagers and young adults once, so they used to get into probably as much, if not more, trouble than I did. And that's such a weird perspective. Um, you know, to think, for example, we have a couple of uh, friends, for example, who are teachers, and it's really weird to drink with them and then think that my teachers would have been doing the same thing because they were around our age when they were teaching us. You know, it's a very strange perspective. Yeah, time goes so fast. I think I think that's a strange thing about being an adult is uh, most of the time that you are an adult, you aren't aware that you're an adult. <laughs> yeah. You still think that you are what you were. And uh, maybe that's why people have so much problems uh, changing their opinions. Yeah, midlife crises and that kind of thing. Like, I don't really feel like I'm ready to, you know, grow a beard and uh, buy a Corvette yet, but I might be there in a couple of years. I don't think I'll ever have the Corvette, but I don't think I'll ever get rid of the beard. Yeah, when's the last time you were completely clean shaven? I shaved it off for that one week last year. Yeah, I remember that. But I mean, what what was the what was when was the last time you had it for a prolonged period of time, just unshaven? Mm, tough question. Somewhere between five years and a decade. Jeez, that's quite, that's that's a pretty good album name, but yeah, that's also a really long time. Well, here we are. We're recording on a Monday again because, well, it just seemed weird to record four days after the last one. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest with you, it still feels a little close to that last one. Yeah, we're gonna have to keep squeezing them in until we get back to our normal schedule. I think. Yeah, until I until my I have some kind of normal schedule again. My boss has just been on vacation for you know. A little bit, so the schedules are just all over the place. Plus, me being sick doesn't help that either, so I'm trying to squeeze that in between all these things, too. What about you? You've been a lot busier lately. What's been going on? Uh, just I feel like I'm just picking up like a bunch of random things here and there. It's nothing, nothing exciting. Um, what's awful about it is I literally at the time that I was like, okay, I'm ready to start getting back into this novel, 
a whole bunch of stuff just dropped into my lap that it was it would have been dumb to walk away from. So I have all this stuff in my lap and I haven't even haven't even cracked the file for my novel. So I don't know. It's a little it's a little morally uh it's a little demoralizing. But hopefully I'll be able to rip through that stuff and get to it because to me that's kind of more important than everything else, but the novel doesn't pay the bills yet. Yeah, I remember how how deep you had gotten in, Charlie. I mean, for for something as dense as the novel, um, with all of its twists and turns and its jumps and tense and um, time period and, and and versions of the character, do you think it? I mean, do you find it difficult to jump in and and remember where you left off? Yeah, absolutely. It's. I mean, the, the what I've done, I would not advise when writing a novel. And I haven't actually. I've been playing around on Quora a lot lately, and one of the some of the questions that I answer are about writing. And every time somebody asks a question about writing a novel, I tell them the same thing I've always told you: momentum. Get from the beginning to the end, and as close to one shot as you can. Sure. Because the more you drag that out, the more you step away from it, the better chance you're going to break it to a point where it's irreparable, or you're going to break that flow to a point where you can never dive back into it so you're just murdering murdering your character interesting so so murder by murder by uh indifference almost in a way yeah murder by neglect which which uh which sin in seven was that where he's tied to the bed uh i that's i think that's like fourth or fifth it's pretty far down the line sloth right sloth yeah well that's that's how your that's how your novel will die tied to a bed with a bunch of pine tree air fresheners hanging above it if you walk away from it from too for too long that this is officially the fourth time in probably a week um that seven has come up somehow um i i'm not i'm not sure if it's just a, a my fincher period i i get these i get these kicks with certain directors where like you know for a period of time i'll really want to watch just their movies for a little bit maybe it's because of the the way they tell stories their their type of narrative or their their you know aesthetic um but i i have i have a tendency to jump into these periods with with certain movie makers and i kind of get stuck with them for a while and i think right now i'm very much in my david david fincher mode there's nothing wrong with that mode that's for sure yeah i love that guy i think i mean he's he's probably He's probably the best um, director with a big budget I've I've seen in a while. Um, like I mean, I, I, there are opposites of that too. Like a, you know, one of my favorite directors of all time, Danny Boyle. I love Danny Boyle, but he just doesn't do great with a big budget. I mean, I I always look back at the beach and just wonder how that was was ever created. Um, and so yeah, I, I I definitely am very much in my David Fincher mode. Um, and I I the last on my list, which is probably my favorite of the David Fincher movies for where I am now, is The Game. So that's that's coming on pretty soon. I think even his even his worst films, I still really enjoy. Like uh, Alien Three, I still like that movie. Yeah, I didn't mind that one. I actually thought that one was pretty good. Um, and I I I don't quite understand what the criticism was on it. I mean, it, Alien Four was horrible. Um, and that Alien was John Genoa. Yeah, that yeah, but I, it just wasn't the right genre. wasn't the right script. I mean, there's so many things wrong with that entire movie. Um, you know, he he's it was too serious of a movie for the kind of director that he was, so it just didn't make any sense. Right. But I actually really really liked um, Alien Three. I thought it was really visceral and very very tight. Felt really claustrophobic, and I really liked how Fincher created that environment. Yeah, I, I think that it's an, it's an underrated piece, even though he hates it. But I know he hates it because I've read. Um, there's a book called Dark the Dark Eye or Dark Eye. It's about um, David Fincher's films. 
it ends about um what's the last film it's before benjamin button it was written so it's fairly fairly back some distance but uh brandon had loaned it to me and it's it's pretty fascinating but when he goes through the story of the making of that movie it's just an utter nightmare i mean everything that you don't want to happen as a director i would assume happens to him in making that movie Mm, that's got to be tough yeah i can't i I feel like of all the arts out there and this is going to be a obviously a sweeping generalization but it's how i feel at this second so don't hold me responsible in the future but i think of all the arts out there possibly filmmaking is the most difficult because there's a certain concession to the committee you know it's you're not in control of it yourself sure and i mean uh, you know democratic referendum definitely falls into play there i mean i you know um i've worked with a lot of you know i've worked with matt i've worked with brandon i've worked in environments with just a single photographer um you know I've, i was a musician at some point in my life and i will say that by far the most difficult is filmmaking um you know, even in constructing a script and then and then building a narrative around that when I was working with Dylan on creating that project, um, you know, when it came time to, to begin putting the screenplay together and to start doing storyboards and eventually filming the actual uh, pilot, it was, an, it was just difficult. I mean, and then that wasn't even that complex of a project. I can't even imagine working with 150 crew, um, you know, 20 production designers and, and, and makeup artists and cinematographers, you know, another 20 actors and $20 million. Like, I can't imagine... How how complex of a process that must be, um, and I, I and I, I I marvel more and more at how projects get created, um, and even more spectacularly how projects come out well, despite how many cogs in that machine there are. You know, yeah. Having done as many short videos as I've done, I can tell you just the in the editing process alone, the meticulousness that's necessary is mind boggling. I mean. I'm going in with maybe anywhere from 10 to 50 clips a day and I'm cutting these things, cutting them down. And I mean, literally like you're cutting, sometimes trimming things by frames. Like I'm trimming two frames off of this because if you don't something about the transition from one cut to the other, it feels off and it ruins everything. So you're literally down in a frame. It's less than a second. So you're literally cutting things by down, down by less than a second to make it work. Now imagine going in with 50 different cameras with, you know, who knows how many different clips on there, 100, 150 different clips, different takes, trying to figure out which take. It's it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it's and, and even beyond that, like, can you imagine, you know, you think about guys like um, uh, Quentin Tarantino and the, what was it, Hateful Eight, that last movie that they made, and how wide the camera was and how much of that lens, how much that lens actually captured and as an actor, like there's no place on on set you can hide, so you have to stay in character even when you're not in the scene, when, even when you're just hanging out. Right. So I mean, it's not just laborious for the directors and the cinematographers and producers, but I mean, uh, you know, as an actor, I can't imagine like on a movie set like that, for example, just being on, you know, um, for for that length of time and 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 being in the bitter cold and still being able to maintain your character despite that. That's that's fascinating to me. It's like being in a uh, Robert Altman film. <laughs> yeah, true. Where what's going on in the background sometimes is as it's more important. Sure, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, yeah, unbelievable. You just I I think that that that's fascinating to me because you do there are some actors out there that no matter what are always on and not I don't mean just the method actors, but I mean uh, some people do that, but it's not very standard. Um, yeah, people need a, a mental break. 
Well, what people don't realize too is a lot of the time, um, you know, if an actor does their job, then you then the actor becomes that character, becomes that person, you know. But what a lot of people don't realize is that the actors aren't inherently like those people. So in order to stay that person, um, you know, imagine pretending to be someone and not having the option to turn that off, and and having to be that person for hours at a time. You know, I I can't imagine. That's that's got to be that's got to be so exhausting mentally and and emotionally. And imagine if that character is somebody you don't like. Huh. Slash every other character on Game of Thrones, sure. They've said for, um, I shouldn't say they as some generalized statement, but it's mainly used because I have no idea who they is right now. But um, I've read that psychology, uh, that psychologists treat actors sometimes because they have uh, stress disorders or they have mental issues because of playing these characters that they sure. don't like. It's creating some kind of cognitive dissonance in them, and it's it's screwing them up emotionally because uh, our brains, the way our brains function, when we simulate something, our brain knows we're simulating, but our body doesn't. So our mm-hmm. body reacts to these things as if they're real. I mean, that's, that's why anxiety is such a crazy thing, because... Um, when you start going down that train of, oh, this could, this the, this is horrible, and this is horrible, and then this, if this horrible thing happened, well, your body's reacting to all of those what-ifs. Mm-hmm. And these actors having to go through this over and over again, some of them experience it very extremely, and which may explain for a lot of substance abuse among actors. And even with certain actors, too, I remember at some point hearing an interview with Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I mean, that guy, you know, uh, we know him as a a, a bubbly, bright faced kid. Um, uh, but he was talking about this. I forget. I think the name of the the, the movie was Fifty Fifty. Um, it's the one in which he had cancer. I could be totally wrong in that. Mm. But I remember him, have, you know, explaining how difficult it was to play that part because he had to get into the mindset of a person who was dying, and you know, he had to he had to convince himself that he was this person. So he had this really fatalistic, dire. Uh, mentality, and he would somehow he would take that home with him, and over a long enough period of time, um, he he found that it really messed him up psychologically, and had, he had to go get therapy um, in order to to fight his way out of the darkness that that role created for him. Um, and even I, I remember I, I I don't remember where it was, but I remember an interview with Benedict Cumberbatch where he was talking about checking in with himself um, and how you know I, every so often whether it was post movie or or even in between projects he would just go to a therapist just to make sure he was okay you know <laughs> and i think that's that's a really interesting thing to have to do um just because especially as an actor the machine is on constantly you know when you're on set or even in between when you're doing press junkets and promos um for for the film itself like you constantly have to be on so it's really hard to know where you really are emotionally or psychologically um and in order to to keep yourself sane checking in seems like a really really smart idea I, I I guarantee you that there are people out there that think this the whole thing is ridiculous. But the the thing is, is we don't even have a inkling of how the human mind works. We we sure. we've just to use the cliche, we've just scratched the surface. And I think that um, when it comes to understanding things mentally, um, the way people function mentally, the way the brain functions mentally, and even to the extent of mental illness, that um, this whole attitude of Ah, uh, whatever. That's you know, that's bull. This pushing off thing that we tend to do, it's really detrimental to all of us in the long run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we have to learn to accept that when these things are, when these things are experienced by people. I mean, even if one person experiences something, it's validated for that human being. 
Sure. And, and uh, I don't think we have the right to invalidate that. But I can understand why it sounds ridiculous. Like, oh, them acting, it, it it's messing them up emotionally. Oh, those poor actors. Well, imagine for a moment that you're a famous actor who's making a ton of money. And you're you're thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, poor Brad Pitt or whatever, right? Well, imagine that you live in that world where you have no interaction with real people anymore. Your sure. interaction is with press people, other famous people. You lose touch with what it is to be an average person. Now, what do you think is going to regulate you? Because sure. there's 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 no stone, there's no anchor, there's nothing to regulate regulate you. So when you see these things happen, I mean, it's just because they're making money doesn't mean that that something isn't happening to them that that's potentially dangerous to who they are. Um, I just I, I find that it's it's. Ultimately, it's the argument of, you know, you don't understand until you're in that person's moccasins. Yeah. Well, I mean, beyond that, too, it's, it's, it's a perspective thing. You know, all the money in the world is – I'm, I'm not sure um, – you know, Crystal and I have this discussion every so often because, you know, she ultimately wants to be a performer and make music and do dance stuff. But she doesn't want the, the life of a famous person. You know, she's, she's a, more of a private person and a bit of an introvert, so – you know the the thought of having people follow her around and monitor her every step and take pic, take pictures of her her every action is just such a horrifying thought. Um, you know, and that's not even talking about actors who have to maintain. Um, you know, the role like for method actors, for example. I mean, we we look at a guy like Philip Seymour Hoffman and we wonder why he struggled for for so long with substance abuse, or a guy like you know Robin Williams and why he suffered from depression, anxiety, substance abuse, and all these other things. Um, and if we look at, at the good ones, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they threw themselves into their roles with a vigor and a tenacity that very few actors ever did. I mean, so the great ones uh, inherently run the risk of falling down that rabbit hole if they're not really careful. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a perspective thing. A lot of people, you know, um, even even from the perspective of like Brad Pitt making millions of dollars, for example, like when we say Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt makes $21 million a movie, that's not that's not even close to what they actually end up making. Right. It means and, his and, lawyer makes a lot of money. Yeah, that means his agent makes 15%. The agency makes another however much percent. His manager makes another 15%. There's taxes on top of that. His lawyer gets paid a ton of money. His security people get paid a ton of money. So that $21 million turns into $3 million real quick. And don't get me wrong, $3 million is no, 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 no pinched, you know, tiny amount or anything like that. But think of the amount of, of, of privacy and, and freedom that you're giving up in order to make that amount of money. You live in a glass box, right. you know, and I, I don't know, I don't know if it's, it's, it's worth it for most people. I mean, there, this is why there are certain actors that have completely disappeared from the acting world or have taken long breaks just to maintain their sanity. You know, you look like a person, you look at a person like Jessica, Jessica Alba, for example, and she's not been on the acting radar for like eight, nine years. You know, she's disappeared and there's a reason for that, you know? So it's really interesting to see that. Yeah, it's important to remember that every advantage comes with some kind of concession that's of equal importance. So sure. You make more money, you have less privacy. Um, for example, like look at look at our um, look at my situation, right? I'm self-employed, and in many ways, that's amazing. I'm in control of what I do when I do it, sort of. But at the same time, we, we go back to what I was complaining about at the beginning of this because I'm open like that. My schedule is open like that. I don't have specific work hours and specific work days. 
things come in, I have to work on them, right? Whenever they come in. And sure. that's been getting in the way of my novel. Whereas somebody who has a nine to five job, Monday through Friday, they probably have a better chance of writing a novel than I do because they can actually schedule it. Say, okay, sure. I'm off at five. Uh, I'd probably be too tired on most days. But if I give myself six hours every Saturday, I'm pretty sure I could get it done in six months. Wow. Sure. You've got a better plan than I do. Or um, anything anything else. You know, like look at, look at uh, the vlog. In, in order to make that, I have to, in some ways, I have to open the door on my own privacy. I'm sharing parts of my life. Sure. You know, people know what parts of my room look like. Yeah, there are times where I wonder how you do that. Like, I, I look at how my life looks and the struggles that I have on a daily basis. And I, like, for example, I don't know if I could bring a camera into me getting a blood test. You know, I don't know if I could let a camera roll, um, you know, while Crystal and I are, are, are fighting through some of our problems and, 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 and hugging through tears and, and screaming at the top of our lungs at how frustrating or difficult our lives are. I mean, I understand how, how poignant and, 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 beautiful of a spectacle or an image that would be, but I don't know if I could emotionally take having an eye on me, a, a voyeur watching my life as I'm living it, you know, as, as, as cool of an idea as I think that might be to, to do, especially during the times that are really emotionally extreme for me. I don't know if I have the guts to do it. Agreed. And I would also say that while it might be poignant, it would probably only be poignant once, <laughs> you know, say, say you and Crystal fought all the time. Mm -hmm. the audience would probably be interested in something like that once. Sure, sure, sure. But if that was every day, I mean, and so th that's a nice thing. That's a good thing that <laughs> even though even though we kind of feed off drama, we only feed off drama in, in spoon size amounts. Uh, I'm I'm so over drama, though. I mean, maybe it's just because my life is pretty exhausting as it is now, but I don't know how, you know, because we have friends that live in drama, um, and I just, I don't know how they do it. I, it's so exhausting. I, yeah. I I, I, I've, on a daily basis, I'm so tired that I can't imagine introducing something like that into my life at this point. Speaking of which, <laughs> I, I, I know that this is not a personal drama thing because I don't have any of those, but um, I watched the most recent episode of Game of Thrones last night and I thought I was going to throw up like the whole episode. It's so intense and I know you're not caught up, but... Speaking of letting something like that in your life, how about you don't even know that you're doing that, and you watch this episode and six, six years of pent-up things exploding in one episode, essentially. I thought, like, literally, I, I, I thought I was going to throw up while I'm watching this episode. Oh, and then, know, it's, and I, I've been told that too. So I, I'm so you you give me the opinion on this then because I haven't seen any of this season's episodes. I haven't even watched one of them yet. Is it is it psychologically or emotionally safe for me to binge the entire season? Um, that's a good question. Part of me, I, I my initial response to that is it's probably better to because mm. you're going to get instant relief on certain things. Whereas if you do it the way that some of us are doing it, you're miserable for seven days. Uh, there, I mean, it's 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 just it's 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 the culmination of a lot of things. You know, the the thing uh, last season was the peak of building tension. Sure, we've we've hit the peak of the mountain. Now things are starting to go downhill. Which mm -hmm. some are good, some are bad, but you're starting to see these things culminate. But it's not like an avalanche where it's not just it's not all just going to end. So it's like a slow avalanche. 
Mm. So that's what makes it painful. You're like, it's happening, sort of. <laughs> is, <laughs> is it just picking up speed as it goes, though? Oh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, being television, I would say that it's going to pick up speed for the next two episodes pretty hard. Then it's going to end pretty abrupt because I yeah. want you to come back next season. And then next season, we'll ease you back in. It's going to be the same thing. I, I just, wow. I, I I was thinking about this last night. We talk about Breaking Bad a lot as the greatest television show ever made or one of the strongest contenders. Mm-hmm. I am going to make a very controversial, controversial argument right now and say that by the time Game of Thrones is done, it may take that throne, no pun intended, from yeah. Breaking Bad. because. In the long run, what you're looking at with Game of Thrones is the same progression of characters that you saw in Walter White, but in every character. Yeah. And the potentiality for anybody to die at any point is real. Whereas in, as in Breaking Bad, you knew Walter White was never going to die. Yeah. Because there was no show without him. So... Just seeing the buildup of what they've done and the complexity of what they've done and to be able to carry an audience with the level of complexity. I mean, I think that's why it takes some people. Some people don't like the show when they start watching it. It's hard. You're like, what's this guy's name? Tyrion? His dad's name's Tywin? Come on. Can you make that any more difficult? You know, like they're, they're almost the same word. And I'm supposed to remember which one's which. And just going through that. But once you get all that down... Maybe just from the investment, that mental load of that investment, you're so invested in that show. And there are times, I, I definitely think there are times as a TV show, they take, um, they do a little cheap thrill here and there. Sure. Um, and I know it's because they need ratings. It's in, it's important. But at at its level, even playing field, it is a solid, well-built, well-filmed, extremely well-acted show. I don't think I've ever been more bummed <laughs> by a show. I mean, and this is this is having read the books too. I I, I tried to go into the show with as fresh a perspective as possible, and just people just unceremoniously die. And and you just there's 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 no show has ever given me that strong a palpable sense of loss <laughs> than Game of Thrones. Literally, last night's show is the most intense thing I've ever seen on television. Jeez. Probably more intense than almost any other movie that I've seen either. Wow. And, and and I would say that not because what happened in that episode alone is more intense than any movie, but no movie can give you six years of, of background tension to build oh, into true. something. You know, a, a movie can have very intense scenes, but you don't have six years of tears and stress and tension and fury and anger and... All of that, and sometimes confusion, like, do I hate this person? Do I love this person? You don't have that built into any movie. And I think that's what, what they keep referring to this as the golden age of television, right? Well, I think that's the reason for that is people have realized, whoa, with the time that we have, we have the ability to do something that we can't do in any other medium, except for perhaps book series. Sure. Uh, it, I, and so, like, last night, I'm watching this and I'm just going, oh, I mean, I, I'm not going to ruin anything right here, but I'm just going to tell you this. There is a point in the episode where there is a pile of bodies so high that people cannot climb over it. Jeez. It's just death. 
Wow. And and that's that's only like a small part of the episode, perhaps. But the when you when you think about the long run of this show (laughs) and how many people have died in this show, I think the only thing that comes close is Murder She Wrote. Yeah, or that's a show literally about murder. And that was twelve years of killing somebody every episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to be real with you, no important characters ever died. I mean, that's the thing about Game of Thrones, is that important characters are gonna die. I mean, that's just you just accept that after the first season. You know, there's like, a very very good chance that the resolution of this show is that every character is dead at the end. Yeah. Strong possibility. Yeah. There's a very strong possibility. And I uh, I think that people should acknowledge the fact that we are the only show of any form that has ever compared Game of Thrones and Murder She Wrote. Yeah. True. That's that's got that has to be a first, and I I would be horribly annoyed if it wasn't. If somebody out there is a graphic designer, you should build us a badge. <laughs> Angela oh. Lansbury, with you know like the Stark um, banner on her. Well, if we, I mean, considering the number of artists that we have as friends, I'm sure I'm sure the the call can be put out and a, a badge can be made and very very quickly. If everybody out there that wants to make one makes one, I will guarantee you that we will put it up on our Instagram and give you full credit and yeah. point them to your website or your your account because I think it would actually be really fun. Yeah, that would be really cool. Speaking of which, I have an idea. Hmm. Um, the, I thought the, the mixtape thing was fun. I'm not sure. We haven't heard any response of whether anybody else in the world thought it was fun. <laughs> you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. We'll keep doing that every month. Um, let's, let's try something... Um, Let's talk this through. I don't have it fully realized, so let's talk it through, and uh, they can, the audience can hear us build an idea right now. Instagram, okay? You have an account. I have an account. We have a group account. I mean, a, a show account. What if we were to set up something like uh, every day there's a random word, and you and I have to find some way to represent that pictorially on our own personal Instagrams? And then at the end of the day, whichever the two of us gets more likes, that one gets shared on the show Instagram. Hmm. I think that would be fun, creative challenge. I'm think I'm trying to think of. There's got to be there's got to be a better way than Instagram to do it though. Or or hmm. Yeah, maybe Instagram's the most immediate. I would think, and yeah. I don't mean I don't mean drawing necessarily. I mean though drawing could be included. I mean like photos, like if it's clown. You got to find a way to represent that, whether abstractly or realistically. Sure. I just hmm. feel I feel like there there needs to be something done, especially after last week and our whole thing about lack of creativity with our social media. Sure. Uh, I just feel like we need to do something. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I, I and I agree with you. I think the mixtape thing was really cool, and that was a, you know, that's a project that that for for the first time in a while, I was really excited to do something. So that was that was fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think we got to flesh out that idea a little bit more. But I think it's it's got it's got a very good premise. Um, I like the idea of of using a word in order to to do that. But I almost I almost want it to be bigger. Um, How so? In, in the sense that, like, I'd rather I'd rather not do it every day, but I'd rather do something huge once a week. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure though. I, I don't know if that would work either. Because I feel like, uh, especially for something like once a day, it becomes a little a, a little monotonous. If that makes sense, and and I'd rather I'd rather spend the time to do something more spectacular, but I don't know. Stew on it, and then uh, audience, you're going to hear this probably after we've stewed on it for 
Yeah, I'm sure you and I are probably going to have 10 or 15 different text messages back and forth over the next two days about this. <laughs> I w- actually, I would, I would say to anybody who has ideas on this, please um, either, not either, please share them on our Facebook page. I want the discussion yeah. amongst everybody to be in one place. You guys talk amongst yourselves as well. All ideas, throw them up on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash random bad assery, no space, no underscore, just one word. If you haven't liked it, go like it. Um, the more the more we start having people actively participate in that page, the more reason that we will have to be there more. As things are now, we just post the episodes because nobody does anything on our Facebook page. <laughs> so we got to change that. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea that our, our, our listeners or past, present, or future present us with creative challenges and we have to find a way um, either individually or together to pull them off. I really like that idea. Absolutely. I had another idea the other day, and I'm going to present this to the listeners just to see if they find this interesting. Do you guys want us to start a subreddit for this show? I don't know if you guys are Reddit users. I just I noticed that a few other people have subreddits for their shows. Is this a thing? Would you guys want that? Should we do that? And if we don't hear anything from you, I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah, and or we I think it might just be at a point where we need to I don't even know. What I forget that entire thought. I'm I'm just going to strike that one for the record and just say that my my mouth just started making words. Well, I'm I'm literally at, I'm at the point where I'm going to throw out ideas during the shows. And if our viewers jump onto them, then we'll look into them. And if nobody says anything, I'm just going to keep doing what we're doing. And I'm not going to spend any time wasted on something that nobody has enough interest in to tell me they have interest in. I would really love for you to, I mean, for someone, I, this, this, this is more me being a fan of your vlog than, than someone being a fan of the show necessarily. But like, I'd really like to have um, some kind of contest where um, the winner gets to write the words to a song that you end up uh, writing uh, the guitar work for and performing on the uh, vlog. That'd be really cool. That would be interesting. Yeah. I'm and down they get, for they anything. get to write the words. That'd be really cool. I'm down for pretty much anything. I just need people to participate. Silent majority is not a majority, by, by the way, guys. Silent majority is just silence. What is the what was the thing that you were talking about experimenting with your vlog recently? Oh, I'm introducing segments. Like uh, I see, I see, I see. So it's just like short little things, you know, whatever's going on that day. Uh, I guess I'm s- slowly altering the format in the sense that, you know, there'll be parts of what's going on during the day, but I want to make sure I hit on something. Sure. So like today was Monday. It's not as dialed in as I imagine it will be later, but... I made sure I talked a little bit about music today because it, music Mondays, Wednesdays is going to be f- books. So bookworm Wednesday, Friday, film Friday, not the whole episode dedicated to those unless for some reason I'm inspired to do that. But just to talk about one of those things, at least for 30 seconds in each of those episodes, just to give a little bit, a little more meat to people. Sure. And, you know, who knows? I might get bored with it. But that's why it's an experiment. It may people may hate it. I'm I, at this point with just with everything. Um, when you're not getting a lot of input and people are just watching or listening, you just have to assume that what you're doing is good. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, you do have to change things just to make yourself happy. Sure. And uh, there's, I mean, obviously, there's probably a horrible thing of people like you know Casey Neistat. I'm sure gets too much input. 
Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm really, I'm really interested to know what people think and what, what people um, are interested in. I know that a lot of people at the beginning were like, do interviews on this show, and we kind of shut them down on that because it's not our format. It's never going to be our format. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we're not interested in every other idea after that. And it, just because I don't want to, I don't want to do, or Lamb doesn't want to, or the both of us don't want to do something, doesn't mean we weren't interested in your opinion. Yeah, and the other side of that too, it's it's. I think it's because you know both you and I are most of what we did journalistically for a really long time is all interviews. So I mean, it's it seemed it seemed like just old hat to be doing that on the show as well. Um, well but it's, I still do I still do like the idea of doing bonus episodes though. Yeah, um, there's something to be said for that as well. Like at some point, I do think it's good because we ha- we know a lot of really interesting people, um, and I think that because we know them pretty well. Um, we can ask questions that other people wouldn't be able to. So I think that there's an there's an interesting point in that for me as a as a listener. Um, I'd really want to hear um, nitty gritty questions uh, that that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. And for those who are curious why we haven't gone ahead and done this, well, it's our podcast plan is there's there's two plans. Um, and the plan that we're on, well, there's more than two plans, but there's the plan we're on and the next and the next plan up for our storage. And where we are, we're almost topping out already. So to do another bonus episode, we'd have to jump to the next level. And that would mean paying double what we're paying now just to do one more episode. And that's just not feasible. It's not just, it's not going to happen. So if we do something like this, it's probably going to be the bonus episode is not available through the normal podcast um, section. It would be maybe on YouTube or something else, or maybe just on SoundCloud. We haven't worked out the logistics on that. Also, we haven't worked out the logistics on how to record three people at the same time instead of two without having it be a complete mess. I have answers for that, but I'll, I'll speak to you about that offline. I've been talking to a few people and experimenting, um, and I think I, I have a pretty good answer to that. Good. But I mean, regardless, I think it's, it's a I think it may also challenge us to do it in another format because obviously neither you nor I are rich, so we can't just randomly throw money at the podcast until um, you know we're basically just bleeding money as we do it. So, right. I mean, as it is, this podcast is costing each of us about thirty thirty something dollars a month. Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, unless you guys want to finally throw down some money on the Patreon to help us do that, that's cool. If not, it's going to happen when 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 we're able to. Um, that's just a fact. I'm, uh, it's just unavoidable. I, I'm, I, there's only, like Lamb said, there's only so much money you can throw at something before you're just being a fool. Yeah. Um, I'll, but I, d- I do think that that pr- gives us an interesting challenge though, um, that we have to produce this bonus content or this bonus episode through some other medium. I actually kind of like that idea anyway. Well, just how about we just do it via sign language on Periscope? <laughs> or or record the uh record the audio and then have one of our many artist friends animate a cartoon to it like the Ricky Gervais show on HBO or something like that. Right. Well, we can we can definitely do something on our own website. It's just a matter of whether people would actually go to the website to listen to it. And sure. once again, that requires you guys giving us feedback. Yeah. That's that's like, the title of this episode. I'm going to name it Give Us Feedback. 
Yeah, because we're essentially, uh, you know, um, shooting in the dark. Like every week, uh, even last week when you changed the naming convention, for example, like, I mean, that that doesn't seem like a big step for a lot of people. But for us, that is because that's the, that's a big part of our format. So, you know, in order to to feel like we're doing the right thing, you got to tell us if we are doing the right thing or not, you know. It's and it's a, to me, it's growth. Um, it's a sign sure. of growth. Um, when you when you stick yourself to a convention and you don't leave it, you're 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 probably boxing yourself in. The format of the show before the last two episodes has been very much along the lines with us trying to stick in a way to the title of the show, random being the more focused thing, um, and that the idea of this person to this person, which I did with every episode, I would find the first person we mentioned and the last person that we mentioned, and that would be our from from you know like from Jeff Johns to Zack Snyder. Um, that would be the naming convention, but we barely named anybody in the last episode. There was no way to do that. And the last episode was very much not a random episode. And it was a consistent flow, which this episode is too. This is a conversation. And for those of you listening, this is likely the format of this show from now on. Yeah. It feels better. Um, it's it's just it it feels like this is what we should be doing. And if you guys don't like it, then maybe you're not the right audience. And whoever is will come around. But please stick with us because I I think that um we're not gonna be that different. We're still gonna talk about the same things. It's just gonna be a more natural flow. Yeah, and I think that you said it best, you know, it's just all about growth. And I think, you know, because we have no preconceived notions about what the show is supposed to be or what it's supposed to look like to either of us, um, I think it's it's both easier and more difficult. Um, easier in the sense that we're allowed to do what we want um, and more difficult in the sense that we have no real roadmap that we're following. So every single week, um, the evolution is almost chaotic and by its very nature has to be like it requires both of us to be more brave because we have to be willing to try new things uh, without being prompted on those new things. Because typically you and I bring things to the table that we haven't really discussed with each other. We're just going for it. You right. Know? And I, I think that that's uh, one of the beautiful things about the way that things have changed. I don't I know everybody out there doesn't know this, but when we first started this show, number one, we were so excited, so excited to do this that. The show was so scatterbrained that when I would do the show notes, oh my god, the show notes sometimes would be like four pages long yeah, of links. I felt, I felt really bad, man. That that looked horrifying at times. I was just like, how is Chad even pulling this off? Last week's episode was like five links, and I was like, this is awesome. Sure. Not that not that it's a matter of laziness or anything, but come on, guys, you know that if I put forty five links there, you guys aren't going to click all forty five links anyways. Yeah. So by doing this method, we're we're hitting something that I think is more focused. Yeah, I agree. And focus is probably one of the most important things. I mean, what's a what's a photograph without focus? A blur. Yeah. And there are times where that's kind of nice, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, I do like sometimes, you know, when we go into these these weird long winded rants um, that seemingly have no beginning or end you know there's there's not there's but there's also there's there's also a level of precision that i think like last week's episode i think is the the most prime example of that i thought that was a pretty focused episode you know our, our mm-hmm. subject matter was pretty straightforward um you know we, we articulated our thoughts really clearly and our progression was 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 i wouldn't say predictable but it was definitely very it, there was a yeah yeah exactly so I I think that that's there are definitely signs that it's headed in that direction much much more consistently. I think a lot of that comes with our comfort level. 
we've, we've both become more comfortable with what we're doing. There's yeah. less, uh, less thought. I know that for, for you at first, you were very worried that we were going to run out of things to talk about when we started. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> now, you know, as long as we keep talking, we're safe. That's literally it, it. You and I will never run out of things to talk about, I, which I'm still shocked by. Um, but I think, you know, what, what it felt like for me was the first couple of episodes were the first date, you know, where we're just trying to get everything out. We're trying to learn about each other um, and trying to say all the things that, that all the things that we've been trying to say to somebody at some point for for most of our lives. And I think right. now we've settled into like the ninth or 10th day, you know, I come over and spend time at your, okay, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to take that analogy any further. You get the idea. But the whole point is that, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's enough dating lamb. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not making you dinner or anything like that. Don't worry about <laughs> it. But the point is that I think we finally have found a comfort, comfort level. And because we found a comfort level, we're very comfortable with growing now because we don't have to worry about the, the initial stages anymore. We don't have to worry about the honeymoon period. We can we can focus on on understanding who we are as people, what we both want as 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 podcasters, and then starting to present um, the podcast in such a way that is just much more comfortable for both of us, and definitely much more natural. Right, and and I, that's why I think this this um, two weeks in a row, this idea of audience, what do you want? Audience, what do you want? Thing in social media and all this stuff keeps coming up because we are going to keep talking to each other. But that doesn't necessarily mean that what we're what we're talking about is interesting to you. So if if you guys become part of the process, it, it becomes it, it stimulates us. Like if you guys start asking random questions like hey, um or you start t- telling us, "Hey, you guys should watch this movie." And one of us watches the movie or both of us watches this movie, that's going to that's going to enhance the show. It's going to give an interesting element to the show that I, I I would love to see happen because I don't know everything. Lamb doesn't know everything. We don't have time to learn a, a ton of new things and know everything that's going on in the world. So you guys are are as much an important part of this show as we are. You've just been very silent up until now and I'd love to see you guys start sharing more. You know, what's really weird about that too, though, is I actually get a lot of input from individuals offline. Like there are people who text me, like, for example, you know, when I was talking with Drew and he's talking to me about it, you know, I've talked to Giovanni about the podcast. So there are definitely people who are listening. They just don't interact via social media, which there's a part of me that's really kind of proud of that (laughs) in a weird (laughs) kind of way. Um, But it's also frustrating because it means that our, our, the community itself doesn't have a very, a very strong social component. Right. Um, I want them to interact with each other too, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing for me now is that like I think I think all of these people who talk to us offline have to talk to us online, not necessarily for us, but because we want to incite you know, I, I think the easiest way for me to put it is I want to incite a riot in whatever form that is, whether it's about art or, or, or technology or whatever it may be. I want people to discuss. I want people to talk. Yeah, and I'm sure it you're enriches the same way. it for us especially. Yeah. I mean, when you guys you guys give us give us fire, you give us insights that we don't have. And I say the reason I say Facebook, the Facebook page is the one I shot out, is because it, let's be honest, Facebook is the one that ninety percent of everybody has. I could throw out Twitter, and there's going to be at least half of you go, I don't use Twitter, and, yeah. <laughs> and I mean Instagram is definitely not the right place for it. So what is there? That's why I said you guys want a subreddit. Would that be cool? Uh, to be honest, we. As far as the social thing, I don't know what you guys want, so I'm I'm willing to figure it out. But I don't want to, I don't want to make the mistake that a lot of people do, which is do everything, sure. Because you're just you're wasting time. 
instead of focusing on the places that are important. And until I know what places are important, we, I would love to give people more and have them give more and just make this thing just awesome. I mean, I love it already, but just to, to make this something that changes my life. Sure, sure, sure. And other people's too. Yeah, you know, that'd be really interesting at some point to to see like a, you know, for a guy like Casey Neistat, for example, how much his his channel and his videos and his views and his users have actually changed his life. I'd be really curious to know that. And I, I know that uh, there, he's recently joked around about the dark side of it, for sure. Sure. Uh, like people are always criticizing his wife and saying, Ooh. and he's, I mean... He's got a good personality. I'm sure his his wife is um Candace is her name. Um she seems to be have a good personality. I mean a good response to it. They were kind of making fun of it in an episode where somebody they were reading some of the comments that people had made about her. Jeez. And you know like of course people are like she looks like a bitch because she has um what people refer to as a resting bitch face or whatever. Um and it's I don't know. It's it's lame that people will judge somebody from the three seconds that they're on screen but uh one person left a comment and i laughed they laughed but i'm sure it kind of hurt when she read it and it says she looked like she always smelled a nasty fart (laughs) it's hilarious but it's so mean god that's you have to have such a thick skin to do that yeah and and youtube comments i mean like you only have two options right either you're gonna read your youtube comments or you're not gonna read any of them sure uh so it's it's a rough thing. But anyways, tangent on that. You guys aren't mean. We know that. And if you are, then you are. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that. I was, I was going to say, I, I wouldn't be completely surprised by... We, with every... And it's not easy. With some people, it's not even the intention of being mean. It's just the, the nature of the environment that, that calls for that. Did I tell you I blocked my first person on YouTube? Really? Wow. I'm proud of you. By the way, uh, YouTube blocking is not as awesome as everywhere else. I guess maybe because YouTube is so ubiquitous mm-hmm. and there's so many ways to get into it. But you block somebody on YouTube and they can kind of still come back. They can still com- yeah. They can still comment on your comments, which is just mind blowing. But yeah, I just had I've had this guy that's he's been. I, I he's from I believe he's from. I don't. Somewhere in Southeast Asia. I can't remember exactly where right now. Um, I want to say it's Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been around for a while, but like not consistently watching. And he would leave comments. At first, he would leave comments in what Google told me was um, Chinese. I don't know if it was Mandarin or Cantonese. It didn't tell me that. But um, And I'd have to put it through Google Translate to see what the guy was saying. And half the times I wasn't sure what he was saying and then all of a sudden he started commenting in english but like very short sentences so i assume he's like using a translator and i would get weird things from him like do you yoga naked and i would just assume that it was like a translation problem so i never paid attention to it but then slowly he started becoming more and more of a jerk and then just like at one point the one was just so blunt and so clear that he was saying what he meant and i was like that's it you're gone bye wow that's crazy and it's it's rough. It's rough to have to do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually kind of shocked. I mean, what was what? I mean, is any of the stuff that he said shareable here? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like death threats or anything like that. It was just narcissistic and childish. And I'm like, that's definitely not a tra- mistranslation. This sure. guy's just trying to 
And it, it came, it wasn't even that I can't take criticism. It's that I knew what he was doing. He's trying to get me to argue with him. Sure. And that's why I blocked him because I'm not, I'm not trying to create uh, negativity on there. Sure. And I don't need that. Why open the window to that? Yeah, there's no reason for that. I mean, it's, it's, for there, I know that there are definitely people that we know even that that think that any any publicity is good publicity. I guess I mean, for lack of a better way of saying it, but um, I mean, they're they're definitely at some point the, the negativity definitely gets old, um, and and I feel like you know part of the reason why I almost entirely ignore my Facebook feed now is because all I hear is just negativity about the political spectrum. <laughs> and, and let's be honest, there's a limited supply to willpower. So sure. at a certain point. You, I mean, there could be a thousand comments and 999 of them, you got tough skin, you're like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then that one just comes in. And then the real problem that that presents, especially when you're putting yourself in a somewhat public forum, um, whether you're successfully doing so or not, you're putting yourself out as a public figure, right? Sure. Like we are. Um, if you have one blow up, <laughs> now you have a reputation. Sure, and it's, it's it's you know like of course when when somebody has a blow up um, at a paparazzi or something like that, everybody goes oh what a jerk what a jerk but it's like you're just seeing that instance. What about how many how many things like that have happened before that to build up to this moment? And we don't know. We we're always making assumptions, which kind of brings us back to where we started with this episode. And I don't know. How do you feel about that? I don't know. That's tough, you know, because there's, it's funny because Crystal jokes about that when it comes to me. She says that between the two of us, I'll definitely be the one that handles fame better if we ever get to the point where that becomes part of the equation. Um, and I definitely do think that at least on some level that's, that's true. Um, but the older I get, the less I feel like I can handle it. Um, and I think, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think of I think of these these artists that I really respect and like, like Bjork, for example, when she attacked that one reporter in the 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 airport. And I remember at the time, you know, even even me, like the I I, I consider myself to be to be less knee jerky than that. But I I even thought that her reaction was out of line, you know. But I I don't know how I'd feel if there was a reporter that was constantly hounding me about my child, and that's in in the final. You know, in the final the the final wash of the whole thing, that's that's what ended up coming out is that this woman had been hounding Bjork and following her kid, and so I I, I honestly think that if I were in that situation, I probably would have reacted the same way. Didn't Madonna you know? have a similar problem where someone was bugging yeah, her about same, her daughter? Yeah, Madonna. Yeah, Madonna also had the same problem as well. So I, I can't I can't say that I would handle it any better than they did because you know for uh, I'm I'm a pretty I'm pretty protective of my family and I don't even have children. So I can't imagine how much more protective I would be if I had children. And, and the, the, you know, like you can say with a reasonable amount of logic, say, Oh, boohoo. These famous people are so upset because they're famous. They put themselves in that situation. Yes, you're right. Sure. They did. But when they did that, they didn't have a child. They didn't yeah. know they were going to have that child. So there's got to be a level of, I don't want to say guilt, but there's got to be a feeling of like, oh man, I I put this, I put my child in this situation. I mean, and at that point, if you're already famous, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you're not going to move to Bolivia and hide in the mountains. <laughs> but uh, you know, like, there's got to be a, already a sensitivity. We'll say there's already a sensitivity to 
exposing your child to that. Sure. Especially when we know what happens to um, a lot of famous people's children. They get kind of screwed up. Yeah, I, ca- I can't imagine. Seriously, I can't imagine. I mean, it, it to be honest with you, it deters me from wanting to have children if I choose to, to head in the direction of that life just because I don't even want to risk the the potential for for my my kids being screwed up like that you know for you know my my kids don't have a choice in that my kids are entering a world that that they're kind of indoctrinated into and they they have to kind of roll with the punches you know versus me where I'm going into it as an adult you know fully aware of what that life may potentially look like but they don't get to choose that so I don't know and here's the crazy thing that's the same probably the same situation a lot of people that end up famous people that end up with kids put themselves into where like, Oh, I'm just not going to have kids. Sure. And they go after that career, but then all of a sudden they change their mind. And now it's too late not to put that kid in that life. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, and, and th- I can't imagine if you have the intention, for example, of having children at some point in your life and then having to put that on hold because of your career. Um, because I mean, I, I look at I look at some of the actors that have had kids, like someone like Angelina Jolie, for example, and I can't imagine the scrutiny. You know, she's not she's one of the biggest actresses in, in the history of Hollywood, so I can't imagine the level of scrutiny that 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 not only uh, is focused on her life, but focused on on, on the lives of her children. That's got to be terrifying. Oh, I can't. I, I, it's it's funny because. You set yourself like, okay, you look at this podcast, you look at the vlogs that I'm doing, you know, anything that either one of us have done. And in a way, the trajectory that we're setting forth for us in some way, whether we succeed or fail, um, and statistically our chances are failing over succeeding, but we're setting ourselves for that life. But at the same time, <laughs> it's completely horrifying. Yeah, but I think I think for me the, the the altruistic side of it for me is I'm not I'm not in it for the fame. I don't really care about that. But what I want to do is it, it's that old cheesy thing that you know everybody wants to do when they're in their mid twenties. I, I want to make a difference. You know, I want to make a difference in the world, regardless of what the, that difference might look like. You know, for me, I, at least with the podcast, I think my my ultimate goal or my feeling is is that I want to help people be more inspired um, to be better creatively and to be able to take the inspiration that they have and actually make something tangible out of it. And I think for me, that's the real drive. You know, that's what get my that's what gets my juices going. Um, and I think ultimately, if it gets to the point where where I have a little bit of scrutiny on my life, because I know I have skeletons, and I know that if it ever comes to that point, I'm going to have a lot of a lot of just just not good things said about me, I guess. I mean, I'm just assuming this. I don't know if this will actually be true or not. But I, I think it's worth it. You know, if I can make someone's artistic life better, then I think it's worth it. It, it feels like it is anyway. And it's uh, the same thing for me. I would say that um, what I've been realizing more and more as the vlog goes on is that every day I become closer and closer to a PBS program. <laughs> which isn't a bad thing and wow didn't see that coming <laughs> i'm, I'm going to ask you i'm going to ask you this question um in return but i think that uh the reason that helping people be more creative and, and doing that is important to me um is because i believe that creativity changes everything and i don't mean because of the things that people create even the act of creating something gives people an expression that they may not have in any other way in their life. People in poor economic situations, people in um, frustrating situations, people in abusive situations, just having an outlet 
can be the difference between survival and non-survival, the difference between sanity and insanity. So to me, that's the first step of everything is giving people a way and showing people ways and forcing people to realize that they can just make things and they can say things and they can let things out. Um, everything else comes after that. I don't, I don't know why, why is, why is creativity so important to you? Um, creativity is important to me, not necessarily because of the, the act of creating itself, but because I, I find more and more that my happiness is very tangibly linked to how creative I'm being at any given time. And so I think for people, they would be less miserable if they had an outlet for their brains that way. I think your brain just gets bogged down. Um, it gets sad um, and it gets it gets slow if it doesn't have a chance to be creative. And I think that that if you – I challenge anybody out there to, to take a look at their lives for what they've been and to think of the, the period of time in which they were most happy. And I almost guarantee that there was some part – you know, like I, I, I talk to some of my friends now who work in tech and ask them when they were their happiest. And they say, oh, when I was in college and playing in a band. You know, that, that's, that's very clearly a, a, an indicator to me that, that the level of creativity that you have in your life is directly linked to how happy you ultimately are or how, how much easier it is for you to find happiness. So I think for me with the podcast and with, with why creativity is important to me, I think the most difficult thing for most people who, who, are, who are thinking about being creative but haven't been in a while is where the heck do you start? You know, what is it, what is it, what tools do you need and, and what avenues do you explore in order to find a way to take on a creative project? And I think for both guys, for guys like you and I, for example, who are taking on creative projects all the time, I think it's, it's, it's very, I think it's useful, useful for us to give people who are trying to do that a perspective and a set of tools that will help them to get to that easier and ultimately find an easier way to find their own happiness. Oh! 